When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Dave here. In this episode, we have a special guest, Matt Neglia from The Next Best Picture. We talk Whiplash, directed by Damien Chazelle, starring J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller. We had a great conversation. You guys are going to love it, so sit back and enjoy. Without further ado here, we'd like to welcome to the show from the nextbestpicture.com, Next Best Picture podcast. They do reviews, they do uh, they cover award season, things like that. They cover uh, TIFF was the most recent thing I saw. Uh, they cover a lot of stuff, editorials, all that. Definitely check them out. We have Matt Neglia with us. How you doing, Matt? Gentlemen, I am very happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. De- Absolutely. Definitely. We're excited to have you. I know it's, uh, you know, we had some scheduling conflicts, all that, but I'm glad we were able to work things out to finally get you on the show and, and get this ball rolling and talk about talk about one of our, uh, a very good movie that uh, we'll get into shortly here. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell uh, our listeners about your show a little bit? Tell us about uh, your star. Just give a little background on Mr. Neglia here. Sure. So I am the owner of the website nextbestpicture.com, where we are always looking for what is going to be the next best picture winner of the year at the Oscars. So we pretty much have a focus on award season all year round, starting all the way from January when films premiere at Sundance, going all throughout the rest of the year, the summer movie season. And right now, we're in the fall uh, film festival season at the moment. So we have a lot of our focus on that. And that is going to keep going all the way through. We don't take any time off at all. We do interviews with uh, filmmakers in the industry to give us some insight into their key projects. We like to focus a lot on independent films, especially, and help to give them a platform. And then also, on top of all of that, we do podcast reviews, our main talk show. We do weekly polls. So anything that you would like as a rabid film fan out there, uh, we can pretty much provide for you, even if award season isn't your jam, but hopefully we can make it. Yeah, definitely. And I saw you guys are also covering the, the Emmys right now, which that's uh, next week at the time of this recording. So you're, you're, you're even covering TV now, huh? Well, so like we want to actually cover all forms of entertainment awards. So awesome. we do every now and then put out some podcasts for the Emmy Awards. We also do ones for theater with the Tony Awards as well. Oh, wow. And we are still gauging the feedback from those. And we're going to see if we can expand them in the future with some more uh, exclusive content. So we'll see how that uh, continues to roll out. But we're really, really excited about the growth of everything so far. Yeah, that's awesome. Are you looking to do the the Grammys as well or just uh, entertain like movies, TV, things like that? Well, one thing I'm sure that will come up in today's discussion is that it's very, very hard to critique music. (laughs) That is 100% correct. Exactly. Um, Well, you can still just say this sucks. I mean, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) this music is bad. Bad, as <laughs> was it Andy rushing would or say, was it dragging. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, exactly. Um, well, there so, is no answer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, so you do know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, this is going to be a very quote-filled night, it seems like. Um, yeah, I see. I mean, obviously, you're, you're covering TIFF right now. It's uh, getting right into that Oscar season, which is so exciting. Um, obviously, we have uh, Damien Chazelle's uh, First Man coming out in, I yeah. think, October 12th, I want to say, or October 5th. I, I get. Uh, I think a Star Wars Born might be a Star Wars Born fifth. is October fifth. Damien Chazelle's uh, film, I think, is uh, after that. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I mean, he's definitely in the in the news a lot right now in the entertainment world uh, as First Man's finally starting to get its reviews, and that's why yeah we're going to go into uh, Whiplash tonight, as we said in the intro. Whiplash from 2014 uh, from uh, Damien Chazelle, starring J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller. So I think First Man was our most anticipated movie of the year right going back a few months when we first heard about it yeah absolutely yeah it's i I cannot wait for it um are you uh i mean obviously you know we're going to talk about whiplash and this stuff uh what's uh what were your thoughts on la la land uh la la land placed in my top 10 in 2016 i i loved the film very much i i definitely felt it was a tad bit overpraised uh the year it came out but um, I still loved it very, very much, and I only have some minor quibbles with it, but not enough to keep it out of my top ten that year. It's a really excellent film. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you enjoyed it that much that it was in your top ten. It was my number one, but uh, yes, yeah, I, I, I absolutely <laughs> almost I, fighting words there. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, it's, I absolutely adore that film. But uh, yeah, I'm glad you at least had it in your list. So that's great. Uh, yeah, Ch- Chazelle is so so talented. Um, now, I mean, obviously, there's some controversy already here with this uh, first man stuff. Um, oh, please, that ain't a controversy. I, I know. We, we we wanted to get your thoughts on this, uh, just because. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a controversy either. Uh, it's uh, people getting you know in a huff about nothing for me. Uh, and and people I, are just I, so bored. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to, <laughs> you know, it's like. Everybody's upset that there's no American flag in First Man. There is no American flag. You know, I haven't even seen the film. And I went through the TV spots, the teaser, the trailer, and I screenshot everything I could find where there was an American flag just to show people, hey, there's a flag. You know, you see it? (laughs) And then everybody then wants to say to me, oh, well, they don't show it being planted on the moon. There were multiple sources that have confirmed that you see the flag on the moon okay the thing yeah. that i think the thing that's got like everyone like going nuts is that they think there is no american flag hence no representation of you know rah rah america usa <laughs> there's none of that right but that's not the story that damien chazelle ryan gosling have set out to tell they are telling a very personal story about this one guy who didn't I mean, yeah, I'm sure a part of him did it for America, whatever. But realistically, he did it for himself, for humanity, the world entire. And I think that's the message that they're really trying to get across here based on everything that I've read and I've heard from sources who have actually seen the movie. So I yeah. don't understand. I don't get it. It's all because Marco <laughs> Rubio, who has all these followers, said something and everybody gets, you know, involved yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden. It, it just it's a. Oh God, social media. Oh. <laughs> well, we we got him on a rant here, Dave. We got him on a rant, which I love. It's, it's I just love it. So stupid. I, I hate know. that we're like. I, no offense to you guys. I just hate that. I, like, I'm still talking about it. It's, yeah. It's but I mean, I get it for the show and everything. I understand. Right. You yeah. Know, but we in actually general, this, like, we anytime this back someone a brings bit. it up to me, I'm just like, 
I'm, I'm, I'm like Adam Driver in Star Wars. I'm like, let the past die. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I tend uh, to agree. I mean, uh, the biggest thing I was worried about is it's kind of seemed like a spoiler that they're saying, you know, no, uh, no, no American flag was planned. It's like, well, I want to find that out when I watch the movie. Let me, let me be the judge of that. And so many people are, you know, getting all up in arms about it and they haven't even seen the movie. You know, it would have been a really good spoiler, like a, like a really good one. Is if you find out he actually didn't make it to the moon, and Stanley Co- they get an actor to play like Stanley Kubrick <laughs> filming the moon landings. Now that would have been like a good spoiler for First Man. That yeah. fantastic. <laughs> yeah, and that would have really pissed a lot of people off. It was all fake. Now, could you imagine the outcry over that? Oh man, that would have been just a slap in the face right there. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it all filmed on a soundstage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I definitely get this. You know, this outrage and being like, "Why are you so mad at a movie you haven't seen yet?" Although, at least for me, the first reports that I heard didn't even say it was like critics are upset that they're not showing the planting of the flag. And as you said, you went through it. So it is there. But in the, I think the earliest reports that came out on whatever that day was, it didn't really explain that, oh, don't worry, there, there is a flag there. It sort of implied that it wasn't there. So I think it like generated that outrage machine. People under the impression that they're, they weren't really showcasing the flag. And then you get the comments by Gosling saying it's about a human achievement and all that stuff. Right. So it was a little confusing in the initial reporting. So everyone just went bonkers. And then, you know, within a few hours, don't worry, there are flags and all this stuff. <laughs> and, you know, I think the flag itself, the planting of the flag, I think, is an actual historic moment of human achievement i don't think you'd want to leave that out per se i mean as long as they're showing it then okay fine then i get it they want to portray it I don't, in a well, different way. Gonna, i'm just going to correct you there it's not so much the planting of the flag it's the fact that they just got there yeah well you plant this so you can show that you're there right i i would argue you put your foot on the thing called the moon and yeah. you, that's your you know evidence that you're there but i i, I, well, I a footprint, a footprint I, I could go away the, the, the flags are still there actually i think there's like 10 or, or 11 or something yeah like yeah, that. yeah no absolutely no no I, I hear what you mean and the I, uh yeah. you know the u.s thing it's not there was a space race and there was a thing going on between the u.s and the soviet union so it was and there, it meant there, a lot there, to a lot of people yes there was significant so absolutely i, I think there wasn't a real you know, as always, there's things going on in the internet. There's no like real honest discussion or perspective. Everyone just screams their their faces off. <laughs> yeah, without gosh, without yeah. without context, <laughs> without context. That's, yeah, exactly. And uh, I know me and Dave talked about this. I mean, yeah, I mean, I could see watching the movie and like cinematically, it's like you know, you get to the moon and you know, you you place that flag there like i could see like cinematically like how that would be like oh hurrah moment so it's like if i if i go into it and i feel empty like that that moment wasn't in there like i can see maybe getting a little disappointed but again i want to see the movie see how it yeah, exactly. how it goes it's about the, again it's it's called first man not first american right. you know it's uh let's watch the movie first yeah right? exactly let's let's, yeah, exactly. let's watch the movie let's watch the movie exactly so we're all landing yeah. Yeah. yeah less than a month less than a month sorry to get you so worked up again man <laughs> no 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 it's okay I'm, I'm used to it by this point <laughs> again, it's it, it, we're we're on topic here again. We're talking about Damien Chazelle, talking about Whiplash, and um and yeah, again. Uh, so again, I'm I'm a big uh, La La Land guy. So yeah, I know Dave is a huge fan of it as well. Absolutely, um, he's got a great eye. He's, he's going to be a, such a good director. He's got so many good movies to make. Still, he's only made what three three real four four. Well, that uh, what was that? What? It was like a drumming thing. Yeah. Well, yeah. What was that first one? So the first one he did was uh, Guy and Madeline on a park bench and it is not technically a short it's 84 minutes long so it is considered a feature film and it is his directorial debut 
Um, it's actually a black and white uh, film that he shot for, oh man, like a very, very tiny amount. I think it was like less than $100,000 budget. Um, no name stars uh, really uh, that were like ba- that big in it for the most part. Is there, a, mean, is there a known studio that you know off the top of your head? Uh, I cannot remember the studio that okay. was involved with it. But it's a nice movie and also showcases uh, Damien Chazelle's love of music and specifically jazz. So it was definitely jazz. a uh, prelude of things to come. Yeah, and that's that's another reason why I'm excited for First Man because I mean we've seen Whiplash with the jazz, La La Land with the jazz and the music and everything like that. So it's it'll be interesting what he does when it's something outside of of that uh, almost seems like a comfort zone at this point. So yeah, I'm definitely excited to see what he does from from here. One thing I do want to bring up before we get into Whiplash is uh, he's credited as a writer for Ten Cloverfield Lane. Has anyone had the misfortune of seeing that film? I don't think that that's a misfortune at all. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> it's okay. Oh, no. It's fine. I actually think until the third act, I I love the first two acts of Ten Cloverfield Lane. I think the third act is where things get a little well. Yeah, that's what ruined it for tricky. me. Yeah, that's... but that wasn't enough to kill the entire movie for me. I, I wish it was just no. It was just a, it could have been some other movie with some other name, and it would have been a good movie. And then they went and just get weird at the at basically yeah the end third act roughly yeah. So, At that moment, I, you know, to this day, I always think of like when John Goodman comes and he's like all clean shaven. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that that third act, he like, you know, just he just becomes like a true full fledged monster. I mean, like, oh, yeah. man. but I love the interplay between uh, Josh, uh, John Gallagher, Jr., John Goodman and Mary Elizabeth Weinstein in that film a lot. And I think the film, you know, makes uh, Michelle, the lead character in that movie, out to be um, a, a great hero worth following. Um, yeah, I mean, I've seen it a couple of times. I think I've seen it like three times. It's 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 not a. I wouldn't say it's a great movie, but yeah, it's an entertaining, enjoyable one. Okay, I'll, I'll just let that slide. But yeah, no, <laughs> I, I actually agree. I would agree with all of it. I just end up. Uh, I think we basically sort of feel the same way. You just fall one way, and I fall the other. So are we to say? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're, the sa- we're the same until the third act. We're a quarter, and you're the tail, and I'm the head. I don't know. <laughs> is one rushing and is one dragging? I, mean, oh, I just need to know this. <laughs> oh man! Um, all right, so let's get into Whiplash. I mean, this is an hour and forty-five uh, minute movie, uh, so and it's a lot to unpack. So let's go ahead and just jump into this thing. I'm excited to talk about it. Um, obviously, like I said, J.K. Simmons, Miles Teller, even got Paul Reiser in this movie. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, kind of the first thing we want to bring up about it, you know, the different ideas, themes, uh, we kind of get this uh, idea of the abuse of power. Yeah, right off the bat. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I love that. I mean, it's a point of view shot uh, right away from, yeah, I mean, we find out it's from Fletcher, which is J.K. Simmons' character. That point of view shot just slowly going up to Miles Teller as he's drumming. And, you know, Miles Towers like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. He stops right away. And, uh, you know, right away, you know, you get the dickishness yeah. in, in J.K. Simmons. He's like, why'd you stop? Yeah. And then he, Miles Teller, uh, Andrew just kind of looks around. Then he starts again. And he starts drumming. He's like, well, I didn't tell you to start. You're right. And it's, it's already beginning here. It's already getting nuts. And he walks out, right? And then comes back. Oh, I forgot my jacket. He didn't forget his jacket. No, not right. at all. It was just the mind games start from that man does not make mistakes, right? Um, But yeah, I mean, we right away get uh, you know a sense of who J.K. Simmons' character is, Um, and then you know again sticking with his abuse of power. uh, Obviously, Miles Teller, you know, when that first scene when he 
you know, says, all right, the squeaker's going to be next, you know. Well, actually, no, I mean, the Elmer Fudd. We got to go over Elmer, Elmer Fudd here. I mean, <laughs> this uh, uh, this moment, yeah, uh, you know, they're going over Whiplash. Uh, Miles Teller is the uh, secondary or whatever they called it. Um, the squeaker, as he called him. Um, Guy sitting there being a page turner. He's like the alternate. Yeah. The alternate, thank yeah, yeah. you. Um, and then, uh, yeah, he notices someone's out of tune. Elmer Fudd, <laughs> he makes him play oh a my note. Gosh. Doesn't know he's that out of tune. so great. Yeah, definitely. Um, Everybody's and, so on edge. Oh, I know. And, like the little tiny close-ups they have of some of the extras in that where they're just like, they just they, they're staring at the ground like they refuse to even look him in the eye. <laughs> I know it's like he's a wolf or a lion or something. You know, it's just he he demands that power. And I love how they all like just stand up straight. As, yeah, like yeah, he, he, as soon as he walks in, they stand up straight. It's like he, he's a drill sergeant. I mean, actually, that now that we say that, it kind of reminds me of Full Metal Jacket. You know, uh, <laughs> oh, I think that's intentional. Yeah, definitely. Especially in the way that he uses obviously col- colorful language and you know hurls insults at everyone. It's. It, you know, it's interesting, too, because, like, I know to this day, like, God bless his soul, Arlie Army, uh, people would consider, like, some of those lines to be funny. I mean, there's even a part where <laughs> one of the characters laughs at him because he thinks that the insults are, you know, yeah. humorous. Here, um, it could almost be interpreted as that, but it's it's not meant to be at all. I think I think this is definitely meant to be rougher, a lot more intensely personal and... I, I mean, I definitely take issue if somebody would watch how J.K. Simmons treats these kids in, in, in a school where they're supposed to feel protected versus, say, Vince Vaughn yelling at the soldiers in Hacksaw Ridge, where it, it does kind of have a bit of humor to it, you know, obviously. Yeah, the thing that struck out to me just making that comparison is for at least in Full Metal Jacket, there is a right answer. We get that with Joker, um, where he gets sort of a mini promotion or something like that by answering. With, yeah. I, with J.K. Simmons here, doesn't feel like there's really any right answer, right? No, you eat, no, not at all. And he, then he starts framing the questions in a way where. It's 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 already too late. So if you answer yes or no to any, th- yeah, you're done. Like there's no way out right. here. At least with um, the Arlie Emery character, you could stand up to him a little bit, be honest, and then he'll like respect your courage. You can't do mm-hmm. that here. But yeah, I mean, it's it's almost uh, psychological because again, in uh, Arlie or, or in Full Metal Jacket, you know, he's preparing these guys for war to be killers essentially. Whereas in this, this is this is music. You know, this is <laughs> this is just jazz. Um, but even to these guys, the stakes are just as high. Yeah. And I think that's why I like this movie the more I watch it. Because when you initially watch it, it's just like... What is you know these kids are they're they're essentially grown men you know they're over eighteen it's like you're gonna take this from this guy you know you're gonna you're gonna you're, you're gonna take this abuse well like, Andrew does start to you know kind of stand up to him a little by little yeah. you know and he's he the like only tells tells him like you know you know it's my fucking part right and then you know Fletcher's like it's my part and I get to choose who gets to fucking play it you know right yeah and it's like. Andrews does start to get more confrontational um, because his his arrogance starts to shine through a lot more. You know, it's it's funny how Andrew I, – I don't believe Andrew thinks he's great. He thinks he has the potential to be great, but he acts in those scenes where he is getting in Fletcher's face a little bit more um, like he is hot shit and that he does deserve um, his spot. And the truth of the matter is that 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 really is not the case, actually, in my opinion. Um, And the thing that I always keep coming back to with this movie, and I always try to figure out every time I watch it, 
is if what Fletcher is doing with Andrew is truly by design. Do, I honestly I think I think the same thing that's what I was saying I like it the more I watch it too and I, I pick up more things because the more I watch it the more I kind of understand Fletcher more and the more I kind of get it um the only question I have is at the end you know when he's like I know you did it and then it's just like oh, okay so he is after Andrew like was this not all but or is this just another tactic of his you no know? no no he I think in that scene especially I think at that point the line is blurred. It's like I am deliberately trying to sabotage and fuck you is what Fletcher is doing to Andrew Neiman in that uh, final scene. But I'm not there sure is a part of every single thing that Fletcher does. Uh, everything, every challenge, every hurled chair, every insult. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Everything he does. Yeah. He's trying to find to his Charlie Parker, keep right? Coming back for more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Dave said, yeah, he's trying to find his Charlie Parker. Exactly. So maybe it's instead of the symbol, he tries the chair. The chair's it, not it. Now, exactly. Now what I need to do. Why do you think I just hurled the chair at your head, Neiman? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 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 because I'm the next Charlie Parker. <laughs> uh, well, and I like, yeah, I mean, it's so obvious. Like it, like, come, it, co- it, it, it comes right after he tells Neiman the story. You know how Charlie Parker exactly. became Bird? Because he, you know, got a symbol thrown at his head. And then, yeah, then he does that. It's like, okay, this guy... I think both of these guys are trying to be great. Obviously, you know, Fletcher's trying to find his Charlie Parker and be like this great composer. And then obviously Andrew's trying to be Charlie Parker. And, you know, um, we shouldn't skip. And and, and, and at a certain point, I think what Andrew finally comes to the conclusion of is it's not about being the next Charlie Parker. It's about being the first Andrew Neiman. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. And I think Fletcher does help him get there. But then I go back on the other side of that. And I say to myself every time I watch this, does the ends justify the means? And yes, Andrew and Fletcher finally, I think, do come to some form of an understanding by the end of this movie. And I do believe that Fletcher looks at Andrew and says, you know, without actually saying the line, of course, good job. Yeah, no, (laughs) yeah. It's it's interesting because the father, uh, as, as you said before, who's played by uh, Paul Reiser and this um, Andrew's father, is kind of there to remind us that what Fletcher is doing is truly wrong. Yeah. And I, I do take a moral dilemma with that. And I, I don't know if Andrew's pursuit for perfection for um, to be great, whatever you want to call it, I, I'm not exactly sure if it's worth it. Yeah. No, his dad definitely plays that normal human being in the story. And I think even in the beginning, when they're first at the movie theater, he's like, when you get older, you have perspective. Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the main purpose of his character. And that happens, Andrew, when he gives up drumming for a bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the question that I had, too, though. How much perspective does he really gain? I, I don't know. I mean, he starts, he takes another job, he cools off, but he's ready to jump right back in. Right. I, mean, yeah. he, I think he is because there's a part of Andrew that throughout the entire movie, right, even from the opening scene, this is clearly established, he is trying to impress Fletcher and he's trying to gain Fletcher's respect. What is so miraculous that happens at the end of the movie is that instead of Andrew playing for Fletcher with another opportunity to try and impress him in that final performance, instead, Andrew takes control of the band. Yeah, and the, the, Andrew basically upends 
Fletcher and makes Fletcher look like a fool. Yeah, I love that switch at the end there. You know, after he hugs his dad and everything, um, you know, there's... Uh, Andrews, Miles, this is great acting here by Miles Teller. His demeanor totally changes. He takes off his jacket and he owns that stage. And how you were saying, you know, how they kind of come to an agreement there at the end, you know, when Andrews going through his whole solos and everything. I think that moment is when Fletcher picks up the symbol after, after it kind of falls a little, he, he comes over and actually picks up the symbol. And I think that actually (laughs) is the moment where they are now, seeing eye to eye uh-huh. i think that's like a visual cue that okay they're they're good because andrew was leading the whole way and then because at, at the end he was taking cues from fletcher you know fletcher was like slow down a little bit slow down and then bring it back up and he, he's taking those cues so i think that uh, that whole symbol thing is definitely on purpose you know it's just definitely not just a you know little scene they put in there i think that's for that reason is is to show that visual uh, representation of that. That reminds me of something else too is that Fletcher is sort of like a gatekeeper of, you know, talent of ability and That's true. Yeah, he wants to impress him, but I'm just it's just annoying that there's this bald asshole that <laughs> can decide your fate, right? That just I don't know, I'm sure that probably eats at something inside. I'm going to I'm going to quote guys. Terminator 2, no fate but what we make. Yeah. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, do you guys think uh, Fletcher actually thought he was a good drummer when he first saw him at the beginning of the movie, or does he respect his passion that he's driving? You know, it's, it seems like it's in the middle of the night or something down a hallway I, all I by himself. You know, when I when I watch uh, the redhead uh, guy, what's his name, Connolly in this yeah. movie, I think yes. his name is right. Yeah, yep. when I watch uh, when I watch him and I watch uh, Andrew and everyone else in this that you know Fletcher has in the studio band play. They're all great drummers. Right. And this is what I was going back to earlier about how how do you critique, you know, what the one guy is doing versus the other? Like there's that scene where he's testing them all out for hours and the rest of the class is waiting outside the room. And he's just having them do the rudiments and just playing as hard as fast as they can. And he's doing everything he can to psychologically break them down. And at that point, it's not a matter of who's actually playing it well or not. It's all a matter of who's willing to survive, who's willing to put in the effort, who is willing to go through whatever it is they have to go through to achieve greatness. Now, I'm not saying that that's, you know, healthy. I'm not saying (laughs) that that is right. But I can understand and I can see how when you have three guys that are all talented – and they're all good if he sees that they're talented. Yeah. How do you then separate someone who's talented? How do you separate those those three guys from one another? Right. Yeah, they they all can actually play the songs. You know, they they can right. they can get through them all. It's just yeah, who has the drive to keep on going even at the you know, most difficult of conditions that he's putting him through. He wants to know right. who's truly means it, you know? And isn't it funny cuz you just said the word drive? And what I love about that is how it also kind of plays into the title of the film, obviously, Drive. And if you drive too hard, you're going to crash. You're going to get a whiplash. Yeah. And like and that's that, you know, that's obviously one of the songs in the film. Of course, there's a scene involving a car crash. Right. with Whiplash. Yeah. You know, I, I just think that this screenplay is very, very smart in how. Um, and how what it's what, what it's saying makes sense, but at the same time, it leaves it open to interpretation just a little bit um, that we keep coming back to the characters and we keep coming back to the central drive of the story, because deep down, each one of us wants to achieve success. Yeah. 
Right. You know, yeah. maybe not necessarily in music like these uh, characters are doing, but we look at those trials and tribulations that uh, Andrew Neiman goes through and we then ask ourselves, would I be willing to do that? Do I even want right. to do that? You know, what's what's good enough? Uh, you know, these are all things that I ask myself every time I watch Whiplash. And the answer is always, I think, a little bit different. This reminds me of something that you guys probably saw over the last day ago, I'd say. Um, Mark Wahlberg posted his regimen on Twitter, I think. Did you guys see this? I saw a headline of it. I didn't see the actual details of it. Did you see this, Matt? I didn't hear. No, I did not. Okay, so he posted his typical daily schedule, and I actually saved this because this reminds me. It's this idea of you know the price of greatness. He wakes up at 2.30. 2.45, he does a prayer. 3.15, this is a.m., by the way. <laughs> 3.15 a.m., he has breakfast. Uh, then he works out from that point until 5.15 a.m. Lord. Uh, 5.30, he has a post-workout meal. 6 o'clock shower. 7.30 golf. 8 a.m. snack. Uh, 9.30 cryo chamber recovery. 10.30 snack. This, we're still before noon. Uh, <laughs> 11 o'clock, he has family time, meeting slash work calls. Uh, 1 p.m. lunch, 2 p.m. meetings, more work calls. Jeez. 3 o'clock, picks up the kids. 3.30 has a snack. 4, another workout. 5, shower. 5.30, dinner and family time. 7.30, bedtime. Wow. <laughs> that's his day. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. If you want to be Mark Wahlberg, that's what you got to do. <laughs> Who wants to do that? Yeah, that is something. And, yeah, that's it's kind of, yeah, the price of uh, greatness, I guess. I just um, had to look at the clock right now to uh know that mark Wahlberg is asleep which is pretty like, <laughs> it's like uh, yeah it's like when crazy. you look it's like when you look at the moon and you're like i wonder if a celebrity's <laughs> looking at the moon right now too but we know for a fact mark Wahlberg is asleep right now so that's Good that's not a question not a question i have is this do we want to be mark Wahlberg? <laughs> acting wise no i mean i'd probably go over his body i don't know i mean <laughs> well the then, body. then it's just like it's this idea of when I watch Andrew <laughs> Neiman in this in this movie and what he wants to be, right? He wants to be considered one of the greats. And the question I, I always kind of come back to all the time is, what does that mean? And I think what that means is, you know, they, they say that long after you're gone, you only live as long as the last person that remembers you. Yeah. Like, shouldn't that be the thing that Andrew should be striving for? Yeah, right? I mean, and that goes back to that dinner table. Yeah, conversation I was just about. To, yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that. Yeah, the the dinner table conversation. Um, uh, He's quite cocky there. Yeah, very, very cocky. Yeah, because uh, yeah, they're going over. Uh, you know. Uh, I forget exactly. I, I'm, I think I just, it's college sports. College yes, football. college sports. Yeah. I think yeah. they're with uh, his uncle, which is his dad's brother. I think, yeah, and, and those are his two cousins, I'm assuming. Because um, they don't really respect the fact that he's a, he's in the core of the best musical school in the country. And they're playing Division three football, and he's taunting them, but he seems to be the loser. Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't oh, have yeah, friends. It's that whole macho sports versus you know the, the artist you right. know, but, sort of uh, I mean. Take. Yeah, Andrew, I think, goes about this the wrong way, but he does bring up, you know, a decent point how they're, you know, he t- talks about Charlie Parker, one one of the jazz musicians. I don't know if it was exactly Charlie Parker, but he says how, you know, everyone remembers him and uh, his uncle says something about, like, what, is, what do his friends think of him or, or something like that? I forget exactly the line, but, you know, he says that's the point. You know, it's not his friends that remember him. It's the world, you know, the yeah. world remembers him. I, I actually and, have to agree with Andrew with that argument. I right. really do. Yeah, it's like, what, what would you rather have, you know? So, I mean, that's uh, that's that's pretty powerful. I think that is greatness right there is if, 
you know, not just like you said, you, your only you know memory only lasts as long as the last person remembers you. Where you know, in this case, Charlie Parker, his friends could all be you know dead. Anyone who knew him is could be dead. And Andrew remembers him. He's not his friend. He never knew him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's greatness right there. That makes me think you know greatness versus happiness almost in some way. Not exactly, but you know, yeah. Andrew's pretty miserable right he's not happy he's got this relationship with a girl they have kind of a similar conversation when he talks to, he takes to the cafe he's like i'm just going to end this now because uh there's going to be a point where i want to keep working on my music and you're not going to like it and you're going to resent me so let's just cut this thing off now she's like no i don't agree with that take right yeah no i you mean Andrew's in, terms of, in terms of like his decision to do that to where i mean right yeah yeah so he's sacrificing uh, because i do believe that you know think about it this way Mark Wahlberg has a, a slot in his schedule for his family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as, right. as weird as that sounds. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what I'm getting at is that there is a way to actually strike a balance. And I think Andrew does, at a certain point in this film, uh, let himself go a little too far into it. And that's where it starts to become dangerous. And we're given evidence of this danger by the character that we never see. He's only talked about uh, Sean Casey. And Sean Casey is one of Fletcher's uh, previous students right. who we later on find uh, find out uh, killed himself. Oh, no, it was a but, car crash. Come on, man. But Fletcher <laughs> but Fletcher tells everyone that it was a car crash. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so was he you know, this is what I thought of, too, is Fletcher going like instrument by instrument in picking someone, you know, because he was a horn player. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think trumpet then, or something. You know, yeah. This semester, I'm going to I'm going to get a drummer now. Like right, <laughs> man. Every semester, he different all right. Trumpet didn't work out. Let me try drums. Draw drums that's didn't. A horrifying thing. Like that's a horrifying way to look at it. I know. Oh man. Look at it this way, right? How many different instruments are there in the group? And I say to myself, like, how many years would I have to be in studio band? And since there's only a year, like, will he avoid my section? All right, I know. And I couldn't help thinking about that. Oh, if you, I mean, I think we've we already kind of went over this, but it, I, I kind of want to ask you guys this too: is if, think about the thing you're most passionate about. You know, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of us it's movies, doing this podcast thing, doing you know uh, websites, things like that. But think about that. Would you take the abuse you take from Fletcher to continue doing that? Does Twitter count? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, a good point. Good point. Yeah. I I I I don't know. I know it's tough, man. I don't because I mean, honestly, I mean, this is such a. I mean, obviously, this is done for cinematic reasons, and I mean, I've heard stories about you know people saying how their music teacher was so rough. I don't think music teachers were ever this rough. <laughs> you know, physically hitting the kids, slapping them, saying, "Am I rushing or am I dragging?" You know, um, but uh, but yeah, to take this abuse, I, I just love though the cinematic quality of showing that you know showing what someone will go through with you know this this passion you know they have they're so passionate about something that they won't be discouraged as they bring up in that dinner table well, or when they're in the bar you know talking well, about that, well it that. brings up actually a very interesting question um which is you know what i, I think i just answered it for myself but i'll bring it up anyway um <laughs> You have to ask yourself when you're watching this, why do none of the students report Fletcher's actions to the principal, the board, or whatever it is? And we only do get that towards the end of the film after Andrew has the car accident. He attacks Fletcher. 
Um, he's in danger of being expelled. But, you know, the incident with Sean Casey and so on and so forth. And to see that Andrew is possibly heading down a similar path where he could maybe, you know, meet a similar end to Sean Casey. There was then a decision made to anonymous, anonymously um, record what Fletcher has done. And then as a result, he's terminated from the school. Why hasn't anyone else ever done that before? And I think the answer is because deep down, they all feel that they need him in order to achieve that greatness. But like, as we said earlier, at the end of the film, Andrew Neiman realizes he does not actually need him. Right. Well, yeah. So they're relying on him to sort of bring out their talent. They need a, a strong teacher to yeah. get that out. Yeah, that makes sense. The other thing, though, just to go back just a second, Ben, though, we saw the answer to this question, what will you do for greatness? Or, I mean, or it's just, I'll just kind of blur it a little bit and just say notoriety. I mean, the story's out of Hollywood. <laughs> but, I mean, there's some examples there. Right. What people are willing to do for some, oh, yeah, that, I mean, some that's, money and yeah. to get you know, your face on that poster. Yeah, that's a good point. Totally yeah. degrade yourself. Now, we're not always presented with these choices, you know, and the movie makes it very, you know, they're put on these this path. Cinematic, as you said, you know, same thing with uh, Full Metal Jacket. Obviously, they're in, you know, they're in basic, and that's their guy, and they have to deal with him. Um, right. It's not like you go to work, and your boss starts screaming at you like this. But again, the stakes are much lower at most of our jobs. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's a really hard thing to define. Um you know, I would never try to define it for other people, but defining for yourself what you think success is, yeah, I think it's a very, very challenging thing to answer. And I still don't know if I actually know the answer for myself. Oh, no. I think I'm always constantly searching for it. And I think that search is what keeps the drive going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I love that, uh, again, that bar scene where, you know, he brings up, you know, is there a line, you know, you go too far and you just discourage the person and he says, no, <laughs> you know, that Charlie Parker, that's the thing. Charlie Parker would never be discouraged, you know? Uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that goes along the lines of being so passionate about something. Um, and I think that end is, it's a long game by Fletcher. And if you fold, you fold, he was willing to let his whole thing die. But if you succeed, then, you know, you're, I got what I wanted. Right. I think he was he that was a gamble by him and either outcome he was willing to accept. You see I you know I know we already you know brought this up a little. I I'm kind of I the more I watch this the more I'm leaning towards that Fletcher had this plan, you know, not planned but just he kind of was testing Neiman this whole time, you know, he's, even when he said, you know, I got you, you know, I I know it was you. For me I I kind of feel like he he was testing him, but I, I see the other side too. I, I don't know, but that, that no, whole- he's definitely definitely it's definitely him getting back at him because yeah. why not? You know what I mean? This kid ruined his career at that school. Yeah, I guess what what um, is he other, there at that and point? other yeah. great musicians he could have pushed towards greatness. Like I said, I'm not like condoning the way that he does it, but that's just his fucked up worldview. Okay, right. whatever. Um, in any event, though, the idea that. That is simultaneously, yet yeah, it's this little punk ass kid deserves deserves what I'm about to do him. On the flip side of that, let's see if he's got. Let's see what he, if he has what it takes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I, th- I think I think I think I think it works both ways. Yeah. And uh, 
Because he's screwing himself even farther. He's not just sabotaging the kid. He's screwing his own professional reputation and whatever was going on for that competition. Because it sounds like if you lose one and you get bad marks, then you might not get invited next time. So, And it is interesting to see like how – you know I think that bar scene – especially the bar scene in the scene where he tells the Sean Casey story. Cause you know, th- there've been times where I, I think that the first time, probably when I watched this movie, I was worried that JK Simmons entire performance was going to be him yelling, him being extremely harsh on his students and it, like no dimension to his character whatsoever. And I love, 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 love that. That is not the case here. Yeah. And that he is actually more of a complex character than he lets on to his own students even um, until that scene where, you know, he does talk about Sean Casey and he shows he shows vulnerability. He cries in front of the students. Right. Yeah. Because, I mean, it seems like, yeah, Sean Casey's the closest he's ever gotten to Charlie Parker. You know, as, as much as he, who knows the countless amount of students he's abused and try <laughs> to get to that that level. And the closest he's gotten is to this kid. And now he's, you know, he's killed himself. You know, he's it's it's just uh, kind of sad in a way, uh, especially thinking about the kids, all the kids he's, you know, abused well, yeah, and everything. And you, you know, a and, good point about that because then ask yourself it, that tear that he sheds then is it for sean casey is it for all the right. kids that he's abused and and you know no one has achieved greatness or is it for is himself it for the fact that an actual human life is gone like yeah I, what 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 does that tear what does that sadness actually represent and the fact that fletcher is such a complex character and that we can't quite pinpoint exactly that's right. what makes it so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point too. It's funny um, too because in the beginning he shows to Andrew, he shows some real warmth to him before the first practice. I think He's, he learns it. No, just have fun. Yeah. His, <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> just his mom runs away. All this stuff, and then he just uses it against him. That was only. It seemed like he was just fishing for info to screw him over with. But then he shows that same side to him, and it seems to be in the bar. But remember same. what he does tell him too. He tells him you're here for a reason. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good call too. And again, that's why I keep saying how every time I watch this, I get more out of it and the more I enjoy it just because I think this is the first, I, this actually, I think this is only the third or fourth time I've actually seen this all the way through, but uh, you know, for the show, but um, the, the bar scene again, going back to that, uh, this is the first time where I like, I feel like I really f- understood Fletcher, like where I was like, I totally see what he's doing like i i can totally understand this um and it's just it's just crazy that yeah he's putting him through all that abuse but yeah i mean going back to that scene where he's just like just have fun it's just like what well, the a, question i have about that bar dick. scene especially is do you guys believe that fletcher is showing andrew neiman his true self in that scene or do you still think it's all an act to you know get him prepped up for the big performance at the end. I hate to, when, he, when he asks him if he would like to do it. You know what I mean. I hate to wuss out and say a little bit of both, but I really do think that's what this character does. He show, shows real emotion, but still, he's got he's using something in his back pocket to use later. So I think he's willing. I think he actually is honest in these moments, but then goes back to his greater goal, which is to. <laughs> screw you over it well yeah i mean yeah yeah i think i think fletcher in that moment was genuine and was feeling the things he's feeling because you know andrew's about to leave they're about to they're saying their goodbyes and then andrew's leaving and he's like he you kind of the camera goes to him and he's kind of thinking about it for a minute he's like you know i i need a drummer for my thing like he he could have said that while they were sitting at the table you know um unless he's just such a master manipulator that he he knew that you know the the conversation was going to go that way and you know he's but like he didn't I'm, know all along that neiman told on him right or at least suspected 
Yeah, I mean, you got to take. I mean, he's the he kid. He played it off like he didn't. Right. So I almost lean more towards the manipulator. Oh, Although, he, But he is willing to show genuine emotion, but the fact that he can just screw you later, it doesn't matter. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. He's a psychopath. Uh, but, I mean, so, I mean, obviously, the technical stuff and everything, acting-wise, J.K. Simmons, man, I mean, he totally deserved this Oscar. Uh, off the top of my head, I'm not sure. Do you know who else was nominated in this category, Matt? Uh, I actually do remember off the top of my head. Nice. Um, That's why you're the so, nextbestpicture.com. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> let's see if I can actually uh, recall this. So I know it was Mark Ruffalo for Foxcatcher. Okay. Uh, Edward Norton for Birdman. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the year of Boyhood. So Ethan Hawke was up for Boyhood. Nice. And there was uh, 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 Robert Duvall for The Judge. Yep. So yeah, yes. I mean, J.K. Simmons is the most memorable performance of of this, and I think. Oh yeah. And I all- mean, he ran away with the whole season. He won every award there was under the sun for that. Like there, there was no stopping him. Yeah. When you have a performance that is that flashy and gives you that like quality of great writing, um, and also makes you like I said, your your character so fascinating. Yeah. Um, and it really makes quite an impression on the audience. Like there, there were so many times watching this movie where I was so dead silent. My palms were gripping the seat in the theater yeah. and they were sweaty. Dude. Yeah. Seriously. How much he had me on edge. Even, even uh, I, last night watching it for the show again, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, I was like, especially that, even the end scene where, you know, he's drumming and everything, like I'm feeling the, the you know, the, just the way he's making those gestures to compose Andrew and stuff, just even, even that I'm like, you know, holding it. And then when he's making them um, uh, go through that, like five grueling hours of just from 9 PM to 2 AM, just making them fight for that position. Like, I'm just like, yeah, like you said, like gripping my hands and just like, my God, like I'm almost trying to drum myself <laughs> to try to help, try to try to help him along. So first of all, I mean, that's great filmmaking. I mean, that's great job by Damien Chazelle there. And then that's great acting by, uh, JK Simmons to make me feel that. Uh, so yeah, this, this movie so many times, like you said, just has me like, Oh my God. <laughs> um, JK Simmons is great and everything. Uh, Matt or Ben, did you happen to catch, uh, the counterpart series that he was in for, uh, I don't know if it's one season only. I think it was on Showtime I, or stars, maybe stars. I have not. No. Have you seen that Matt? No, I've not. I've not been able to watch it. I've heard he's great in it, though. He's amazing. He plays basically two characters who could not be more different, and only someone that good can really make it believable. Like one character's a version of himself is sort of the sheepish, meek guy, and the other version is basically almost what you see in Whiplash. But he plays them both so well. Kudos to him. Yeah, I definitely want to check that out. Yeah, he's 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 one of the. I'm so glad he. Yeah, he got an Oscar because yeah, he totally totally deserved it. And even Miles Teller, I thought his performance was great. Again, that especially that last scene where he totally just changes his demeanor. He's he's like a timid kid like throughout the film. Obviously, he's passionate and everything, but this is just where he totally just owns the stage. And that's just uh, again, obviously, the camera angles and the movement and that whole last scene is amazing. I also but, want to mention the blood and the. Band-Aids and that whole sequence there, just worth mentioning. Bleeding yep. all over the drum sets. Lots of blood in this movie. <laughs> Do you even want to play drums? 
I know we're both guitar players, but no, not drums. I have a, oh, I'm, I'm a drummer. Oh, wow. And I can tell you that that shit hurts. <laughs> I can imagine. I'm sure. Well, I just did a lot of work around my house and was using a jackhammer and stuff. So I got some blisters on my hands and stuff. So, so you know, I, I know what blisters feel like. But yeah, I, I, especially when you're doing something for fun, for passion, for <laughs> things like that. It's like, yeah, I can <laughs> I can only imagine. I mean, I when my... they pop, though, and like you're still like, I mean, I, I, every time I watch it, I cringe because I'm just like, <laughs> oh, he's got he's got wooden sticks. And I'm like, I don't know if the tech texture of the wood is like good or if it's worn like is the wood getting like is he getting splinters like, ah, <laughs> I know. you know it's brutal man well, I, oh. I know all about calluses from the guitar strings and i've also had my my right hand bleed from playing the guitar uh, oh yeah so i know all about that and this might have been in interviews and stuff i don't know if this was a call out by chazelle here but you know what the uh, fist in the ice bucket reminds me of mm. Go ahead. Raging Bull. Oh, there you Raging go. Raging yeah. Bull when he's, yeah, he puts the fist in yeah. the ice bucket and the oh, camera yeah. focuses on that. I yeah. also thought this opening shot reminded me a bit of Kubrick with the moving camera and a single point perspective. Yeah. Opening yeah, shot. definitely. Well, you know, it, I, I thought about a lot about that too, actually, on the rewatch this time around. I, I thought a lot about how this film in particular is actually shot with a lot of heavy shadow. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of contrast. And, you know, when I think about that opening shot, right, I think about how so much of like of what surrounds Andrew in that is is dark around him. But there's this, this hard light on him. Yeah. And it's almost like like in Fletcher's like like, you know, kind of like weird point of view, like everything is like shrouded yeah. in darkness. And like and I'm not saying it like that. I mean, more so like he's having trouble finding that one special someone that next uh, Charlie Parker and that beam of light that's like shining on Andrew like that, that could be it, but it's such a faint, tiny representation right. amongst all of these uh, shadows, you know, uh, around him. I don't know. That's I just like one thing I thought of, the, of, of upon that first opening shot. So it's funny that you brought that up. I was thinking something uh, else, but no, it's very, very interesting. And yeah, good call. And then uh, one more uh, call out to what uh, an old movie too the the end scene where uh, J.K. Simmons is composing. It totally looks like Amadeus. You know, Amadeus when he's composing. Oh, you know yeah. that that wide shot with the crowd in the background. Yeah, definitely. You could you could tell there were some inspirations there. I'm what sure. What a ripoff, Damien. Yeah, some original stuff. Man. <laughs> it, it, it's like he you know loves film or something. I know. <sighs> Jeez, he has his dad going to the movie. <laughs> I probably shouldn't waste time on this, but uh, Raisinets. Do you guys like Raisinets? No, thanks. Really? I no, love, I do not. I love Raisinets, and I've never I seen any... I like putting my candy in the popcorn now. I, I've never seen that before. But then I've, I've, it? I've seriously never seen that before, and <laughs> really? when, when I first saw this movie of him putting the Raisinets in the popcorn, I've tried that, and oh my God, it is delicious. It is quite yep. scrumptious, <laughs> especially because it's I chocolate. I have an ex-girlfriend to thank for that one who uh, <laughs> told me about that little trick, and it it's never left my mind. Nice. <laughs> yeah, so is there nice. any significance between him putting the candy in and his dad didn't want it, and then him not eating the candy that he put in. On Maybe kind of his rebellious, you know, going against because he's the only one that actually went against Fletcher. Yeah. You know, out of all the students, he's the only one that actually stood up to him and spoke back to him. So I, I don't know if that maybe is why. Trying to win a it's little. It's also bet. probably to uh, a, a rejection of his father's lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, I can see that too. You know, he's kind of you know his father by all accounts is pretty much considered ordinary, uh, yeah. somebody who. I'm sure had aspirations to be a great writer, right? Well, well music, right? Well, he, he's a high school teacher, which yeah. I'm sure for him is extremely fulfilling. And I'm sure his brother, um, the uncle, and you know, uh, you know, maybe 
anyone else even who maybe watches this movie maybe looks at that and goes, oh, OK, yeah, yeah. high school teacher, you know, well, like, kind of looks down on it a little bit. Well, but and that's no, nah, I think I think if you take pride in what you do and you are fulfilled by that, that 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 earns my respect. And there's no yeah. reason to think otherwise. So Definitely. Well, I think that, that also goes back to like, you know, the kind of the theme of the movie in a way like does. Andrew Neiman need to be this great drum player or can he just enjoy playing the drums be pretty damn good at them he doesn't have to be great yeah and if he gets happiness out of that screw what Fletcher thinks yeah exactly and that's why I kind of think he brings up first oh my dad's a writer oh you know he's more of a teacher Uh, uh, he's a high school teacher you know he doesn't want to say right away he's a high school teacher so yeah I mean that definitely touches uh, to that effect he's definitely ashamed of it yeah definitely definitely. they were quite poor I mean they were you know some uh, you'd assume uh, maybe a New York City high school teacher isn't too bad but uh, they were kind of destitute there I mean their apartment was really drab they didn't have much Um, so he's looking at that contrast between like I said the, the life of the of the uncle and you know what he wants. He wants to be greater than his dad. Yeah, but that's you know kind of not fair. You know, um, he, I think the dad's doing the best he can. Yeah, so, no, I'm definitely. not trying to just yeah chill for him, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's no, kind of not nice to like. <laughs> dad's trying, like you know, he's tr- he's like, let's go to the movies. He's giving him all the love and support he can. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, this is uh, this again. It's an hour and forty seven minutes, and I feel like we still have so much to say. But yeah, let's try to. Tight as a snare drum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I feel kind of bad we haven't even talked about the rushing, dragging scene. Do you want to get that to that real quick? <laughs> Back to the beginning. I know, sorry. I uh, rushing, are you rushing or are you dragging? So when he was actually going through Whiplash and he noticed he was rushing or dragging, uh, you're a drummer. Was he rushing or dragging in that initial scene? In that when you know, It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's the same, it's the same reason why in the scene where one of the players is out of tune. Elmer Fudd. Yeah, and he says to him, you know, he says to the one student, uh, he wasn't really out of tune. You were, but he didn't know the difference, and that's yeah. just as bad. And with with Andrew, rushing or dragging, it's a it's irrelevant. You're letting me get in your head, and you are uh, you are letting me get you upset. Yeah. You you crack right under pressure. You are not cut out for this. And th- all these scenes leading up to it makes me absolutely a hundred percent love when he's drumming, you know, after he comes back after hugging his dad in that final scene, giving that mouth, fuck you to, to JK Simmons. <laughs> and then when he hits him with the symbol, when he goes, goes up close, he hits him with the symbol and hits him in the chin. That's just, I love that. Um, we do have Twitter questions to get to, and we want to give our rating of this film. Uh, should we do Twitter questions first or rating Dave? Uh, actually I have one. Tiny oh yes, sorry. Just well, I'll, that, I'll let you talk on that, <laughs> on that drum solo. Um, uh, oh yeah, we got to talk about that. <laughs> Matt, you're a you're a drummer, so I'm sure you appreciated this. Obviously, this reminded me of uh, there's a I have a live version of Led Zeppelin where John Bonham plays for like 20 minutes on a drum solo. That reminded me of that. So that's all yeah. I have to say. <laughs> it's just so awesome to hear it. Yeah, it's so it, great. It, it's a great it's a great drum drum solo. There's actually one shot in particular that I, that always like blows my mind, and it's actually the the one shot where they go wide. And you see the entire stage yeah. and nobody else is playing but <laughs> Andrew. And you just see his arms just crisscrossing and he's just going super fast. And you think to yourself, man, this scene has been going on for a few minutes. Now, granted, through the magic of filmmaking, 
Miles Teller has not actually been playing all this time. Right. But which Miles Teller has been playing the drums, though. I guess he was actually playing most of it. I guess he knew how to play the drums. Anyways, go on. Right, right. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But like the but the idea though like every time I watch that I get exhausted watching that scene because I <laughs> I know what it takes to drum like that I'm not saying I can drum like that I definitely can't drum like yeah. that but I know what it's like to even try and right. it is exhausting it, imagine, it is yeah. doing a marathon sprint yeah the amount of cardio <laughs> you need to pull that off I'm sure so every time they just do that wide shot and it, there's no flashy cuts or anything. And, you know, you just see him playing on the stage and nobody else is playing. Everybody else is just staring at him and everyone's completely still too. And he's the only thing that's moving. Oh, it's just magical. Yeah, My Lord. Absolutely. absolutely. Um, yeah, good I stuff. Have. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about this for two more hours, but yeah, we're not going to, uh, but uh, Matt, was there anything else in the film actually, before we get to Twitter questions and our rating, was there anything else that you definitely wanted to bring up? You know, I, I I really I really do like the I really really like the editing in this movie a lot. Oh, yeah, hundred percent. Same with uh, again. I don't know if it was the same editor as La La Land, but yeah, I mean. It's, oh yeah, it, no, it was. Okay, it was. Do you, was it the and, same cinematographer? I want to say no, because no, I think it was. I think it was different uh, for this one. Yeah, it's nice how like the, the band will be playing and then it just goes silent. Everybody stops. Yeah, you know, and then it's like a shot to something else, and then like back and forth. Well, I, I think of the scene where he forgets the, I think he forgets the sticks. Yeah. Right, and he has to go back oh, and he's trying oh, to get right. the show yeah. time. <laughs> And it reminded me a lot of like Goodfellas, where we're watching like Henry like be very uh, oh, yeah, and the helicopters flying him, and it just keeps cutting through these moments uh, for for him throughout the day. I felt like that while watching uh, that scene, where you know the camera is like looking at the time all of a sudden. Now all of a sudden we're looking at him put, turning the key in the in the car, and now he's trying to get to where he needs to get to, and then we cut to the clock yeah. again, and yep. the anxiety is building and building and building, and then he gets the phone call. And, you know, it crescendos with him, like, letting him know he's going to be there. And then, bam! I mean, <laughs> and you know it's bad ooh. the whole time, right? As this thing is going, it's like, this he's not going to make it back. It's right. Not, and what yeah. a great cinematic moment, too. Because when you're watching this movie for the first time, you have no idea that that moment is coming. Right. Oh, man. I know. <laughs> that's, like, that's like Leonardo DiCaprio getting his brains blown out and de- departed. Oh, it just like, yeah. comes out yeah, of yeah. nowhere. Great call. And then he limps and does the show, or at least tries to. (laughs) I know. Man, it drops That that should have been enough for Fletcher right there, as far as I was concerned. He should have been convinced that this kid has what it takes. Right. Yeah. He's going to have to lose an arm and then. Honestly, if if Miles Teller didn't go and tackle him, uh, you know, I. I could see Fletcher continuing to give him a shot, you know, obviously, well, you know, to have that dedication. Forget uh, suicide. It's, yeah, it's, they'll turn to murder. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but I love that audience hurrah moment when he finally does tackle him because you're like, yes, finally, someone <laughs> someone does something physical to well, this I, guy. I never actually feel victorious in that moment for for Andrew. Actually, I'm I'm always watching it as more of, well, he's going to get expelled. That sucks for him. <laughs> you know, you just attacked a teacher. You know, but the, but the fact that it actually turns around and it actually involves Fletcher himself getting uh, fired from the school, yeah, it, 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 it just it, it's a good bit of storytelling there. How that reverses itself, and then all of a sudden now you're wondering is Fletcher humbled by that experience? And you know, like it, it feeds into the bar scene, and 
is he or isn't he, so on and so forth. I mean, the whole film is just expertly well-crafted, not just with, like I said, like the editing, the performances, but the overall writing of this film is just so, so tight. Yeah, I love it. So, so, so great. Uh, So let's go ahead and give our rating uh, of this film. Dave, you want to go ahead and explain our rating system? Yeah, so for everybody listening and for Matt, uh, which I hope you have a rating, Matt, we we do stars and popcorn here. So stars being cinematic quality, one out of five. We allow halves. And uh, popcorn being just overall entertainment value out of five. Also a lot of halves. Although Ben has done quarters, I think. Yeah, I did a quarter once or twice. That really ticked me off. (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. Uh, So, Dave, why don't you start us off? What do you rate this film? Well, the whole purpose, by the way, of this rating system, in case anyone is unfamiliar, it's hard to judge, you know, like a stepbrothers versus a Goodfellas. You know, obviously, if you just do stars, stepbrothers will be way low. However, it's very hilarious. So, And that one, you might want to give five buckets of popcorn and a lower star rating, whereas... uh, Goodfellas will have high stars, and uh, we can debate on popcorn. <laughs> yes, we, we sure can. <laughs> All right, so without uh, much uh, me dragging here, uh, so for this one, I give this one four stars, and uh, I'm, I'm at three buckets of popcorn, but I think I might give an extra half bucket because I love movies that tell a great story in under two hours. So Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, four stars, three and a half buckets of popcorn. So yeah, Dave, Dave loves his short movies. So. I, I get uh, really irritated when I'm at two and a half hours and I'm like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's attention span or yeah. what. I mean, I do like long movies. I can, you know. Yeah, that, I, but, I know you do. I know hey, you do. So no. that's where I'm at, four yeah. buckets and three and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, it's a very... I'm sorry, four stars, three Yeah, three very similar to mine. I have four stars as well, three buckets of popcorn. Uh, again, the entertainment value. I mean, I'm, I find myself kind of giggling a lot. And again, it's, it's, it's an easy movie to get through, not just so much tension-wise, but just... I'm, I'm engaged the whole time. So it's, uh, it's definitely... Uh, something that I, I can give that high uh, of buckets of popcorn to. But yeah, the quality of this movie is just incredible. Damien Chazelle, everything like that. Um, you know, the acting, everything like that. Anyways, Matt, <laughs> do, do, do you have a rating? Would you like to rate this film with us? So just to be clear, it's out of four or five? Five, out of five. Well, if that's the case, I will say for cinematic quality, for stars, I will go with... I will go with oh, man. No stalling. Oh, <laughs> I will go with a four point five. Nice. There you go. We like it. What would you give and it for uh, popcorn for in terms entertainment of value? Entertainment for value. entertainment, I'm going to go with a four, and I only say that because I do believe that there is that there is a segment of people out there that will watch this and will be not entertained by this movie, but actually quite bothered and angered possibly buy it because i do believe that there is a there is a level of interpretation with fletcher's methods in this and the fact that they are kind of proven to be i i suppose somewhat true at the end right um that'll then have some people looking at this movie and saying so we're condoning abuse because this is the outcome what right you know yeah so definitely for those people that feel that way, and to be honest, every time I watch this movie, I find myself asking that question more and more. So maybe I, I do too. Yeah, um, I, I will go with, um, I, I will go with out of yeah, I'll go with four for uh, buckets of popcorn. Nice. I mean, nice. That's a hell of a lot of popcorn still, but no, no, that's great. I mean, that's again, this is it, definitely an entertaining movie. I mean, it, again, it keeps you engaged. It, uh, I could see someone. This who, was also my second favorite film of uh, twenty. 
2014. Yeah, that was a great movie. I, and I, I, I hate it because I, I, you know, every Oscar season, I, you know, obviously try to watch the, you know, best picture movies and more than that, obviously. But um, this, this one, for some reason, I didn't watch until after the Oscar season, so I didn't even get a chance to see this one in the theaters. No, neither did I. Yeah, yeah, that would have been one I would. Have I know liked. this. This is one of those ones that uh, I hope comes back to the theater. We, uh, me and Dave, actually just recently saw 2001: A Space Odyssey in IMAX, which was just oh, amazing. amazing. So it definitely <laughs> has us uh, itching to go to more old movies or just any movie that we haven't seen in the theater before. Yeah, that was a two and a half hour movie that felt like it was, what, an hour and 15 yeah, minutes? Seriously. In the IMAX. <laughs> it's yeah, seriously. Great stuff. Wow. All right. So let's get, just quickly go through these Twitter questions. We don't have to respond to everyone. We just want to have to, you know, we don't have to go in depth into everyone. Just want to kind of read uh, it for everybody. Uh, so the first one we have is from Movies with the Misses. What's up, guys? Uh, so I love this movie. Being a music major in college, I was kind of floored by this story. Oh, so nice. intense. I'll come back with a question soon. Oh, I'll He'll come back with a question. Well, what um, the heck, man? I know. Where's What's your question? Man? So intense. Yeah. Definitely dragging. <laughs> yeah, absolutely 100%. dragging. Uh, L, uh, LGT, LGDTB Disney podcast uh, says, seeing this movie in theaters was so intense, pretty sure I held my breath through most of it. Who knew jazz? Who knew? Dra- jazz drumming. Yeah, I wish I could have saw it in the theaters. So uh, it's, it's, should Damien Chazelle do another movie about jazz? Or I think we're good here. <laughs> yeah again that's why I'm, I'm more excited for first man is because yeah because yeah, you get ryan gosling in la la land you know it's a whole yeah. spiel about jazz, which is fine yeah you know but unless you're in that world it's i can appreciate it for two hours but after that i don't yeah. really go into it i don't know what, what do you think about that matt um can you repeat the question actually i'm not sure I <laughs> no i'm sorry it really wasn't a question i'm sorry i just threw that at you but yeah. i'm just saying this idea of should date you know this focus on jazz there it's good to watch but it's not there's not a great appeal there, I don't think. Um, I, I believe that any artist needs to um, sometimes stick to a style, but for uh, for but 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 I do also think there's something to be said for uh, stretching themselves creatively as far as uh, the types of stories they want to tell. Yep, exactly. And then the Recasting Couch podcast. J.K. Simmons was so good that he almost made me start disliking him. How can you be that good at being a POS, a piece of shit, without actually being a piece of shit? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point there. Uh, the IMDb Journey podcast, the film that got me to start reviewing movies, a special place in my heart. Look oh, at wow, that, nice. very nice. Wow, it's inspirational. Yeah, definitely. Um, is the, there a question in any of these? I know, right? <laughs> uh, the ending is so sinister. Uh, this is from Barbaris. Uh, barbarous. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, the ending is so sinister because we can be pretty sure that Neiman's life will end as tragically as Charlie Parker's. I don't know if we're pretty sure that his life will end that way. I mean, well, I thought it was pretty I mean, ambiguous. That's a myself, good. That's but, a good question yeah. to ask. Though. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, will Neiman's life end as tragically as Charlie Parker's? I mean, that's no. Or, no, or, 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 I actually don't think so because you know I I kind of go back to what I said before, which is I think that what Andrew Neiman decides to do at the end of this movie by challenging Fletcher and taking control and realizing he actually doesn't need Fletcher. Um, yes, it does end on that actual moment and we don't see what happens afterward and it leaves it open to interpretation. But I do believe that there is some significance with him actually taking control of his own destiny and not trying to appease Fletcher or earn any ounce of respect from him. He is in complete control and command at that time. And I think that means that for the rest of his life, then he will be in control as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think if after he hugged his father and then went home, then we might have another Sean Casey 
but yeah, I think to your point there, he he makes a decision to to, to make his own choices, and he did what he did, and at least he overcame that hurdle. Yeah. Definitely. All right, good stuff. And then uh, Wide Range Media says, as a musician, this movie hits home. Love the accuracy of it all. One of my top movies. Hopefully, the professor wasn't that accurate. You know, Fletcher. But uh, <laughs> good. Thanks. Seriously. <laughs> thanks for the tweet there. The Down to Mars podcast says, we love this movie. Difficult to watch in many moments. Yep, but so effective. Felt in some ways like a companion piece to Black Swan. Thoughts? Yeah. There um, is a great, great, great YouTube video from Lessons from the Screenplay. And it is an entire video comparison of the theme of obsession between Black Swan and Whiplash. All about an artist's creative pursuit towards perfection. And what was so striking about this video when I watched it was how... Um, how unbelievably uh, crafted the screenplays are. And not only that, but how comparable the two are in terms of the journeys that both characters actually go on. And like we're talking about how Andrew Neiman changes throughout the course of the movie. I mean, the same thing happens to uh, Nina in Black Swan as well. And you, you guys really should just check out check out the video. Yeah. It's not long. It's yeah, only we'll a few minutes long. It's like less than 15 minutes long. If you haven't seen it, it is well worth a watch. It's really, really well done. Yeah, I'll definitely be checking that out now. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so they, yeah, that's a great, great call out there. Uh, the Down to Earth Mars podcast. All right, so uh, Ronnie Castle says, Simmons gave the best performance of this decade. Absolutely savage. Yeah, I mean, it was a great performance. I don't know best um but um but definitely maybe top five i don't know he's got daniel lewis daniel day lewis to compete with there he's got um well what if we just stick with supporting actors maybe yeah support uh i don't i mean you got christoph waltz twice you got uh no 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 yeah christoph waltz once uh bastards was zone nine. Oh, i guess this decade i was thinking like 10 years total so back oh well yeah you're right yeah you're right uh decade so django unchained then for christoph waltz i mean um, but it's, it's interesting though because like you have stuff like um christian bale and the fighter yeah that's true uh, I, i'm trying to think what else you got um uh, yeah, Javier Bardem Sam Rockwell won last uh, year. Sam Rell, yeah, Sam Rockwell won last year. I'd still give this to J.K. Simmons. Um, we got I, I Mark, Mark Ryland. I've done this before, actually. I think I've, I think when I compared um, everything as far as performances, I really thought about this like super hard. Not just Academy Award winners, but like in general. I keep coming back to either J.K. Simmons um, or the late great. Philip Seymour Hoffman. I, I think his performance in The Master is extraordinary. Oh yeah, uh, it's, it's uh, unbelievable, and he didn't. Yeah, unfortunately, didn't even win for that. Um, oh, but, I love um, that movie. I, yeah. I want to do that one for a show. Yeah, definitely. We'll definitely have to uncover that one. Yeah, good, good call there. But yeah, J.K. Simmons for supporting. Yeah, Jared I, I, Leto and Dallas Buyers Club. Anybody? Uh, I mean, it was good. I J.K. Simmons still. Yeah, J.K. Simmons. Do you, do you have a list here? No, I just uh, I'm oh, okay. around. I, that one, that one just occurred to me actually. But uh, I just I mean, oh, Jeff Bridges in Hell or High Water. I don't even know. If, I don't know. Oh, if he, he didn't win. But yeah, he got nominated. Yeah, year, I liked him. I like Ben Foster too in that movie, which he didn't even get nominated. We but did a um, show on that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we did a show. Check us out. Um, you know, it's interesting though because when I look at like all the performances, I think I, I actually think the only one, if I'm looking at Academy Award winners, that might come close to Simmons is Christian Bale for the Fighter, just because of how how transformational that performance is. Like when I watched that movie, that 
like that is not Christian Bale. Right. Yeah. No, that is, that is an actor who has fully transformed himself, not just physically, but what he does with his eyes, his body movement. Yeah. yeah, Like that pattern, everything, that little thing he does with his like mouth, like, like moving it up and down really quick. Like, it's just like, you can tell he's just like a drug addict. Uh, Mahershal Ali just came up here. I'm just kind of doing a little search. Mark Rylance for Bridge of Spies. Mark Eh. Rylance. Yeah. Yeah. I think JK Simmons. Yeah. Chris Plummer, beginners. Christian Bale, as mentioned, Christoph Waltz. Heath Ledger, well, Dark Knight, but that was yeah, that was back in yeah 2008. Um, yeah. But yeah, and yeah. I love and I love Sam Rockwell in Three Billboards a lot. Yeah. But you know, and that was like you know he added on a couple of pounds to that role, and he's definitely very entertaining. But he's meant to be kind of like this sad, um, you know, pathetic character right. that you do start to feel like a bit of sympathy for. Uh, maybe I don't know. It depends on who you ask. And no, I know what you mean. They, they kind of portray him as an idiot who sort of has a bit of a redemption. And yeah, I'd- right, right. I and I and it's interesting too because I like I, I think his performance is really good, and I thought he was worthy of winning the uh, Oscar for it. But yeah, J.K. Simmons has the right combination of his performance just being like a tower over everyone else because of how forceful it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, it takes over. The you, like it's like almost if you put all these characters in a room. Like Fletcher is going to just start throwing symbols and chairs at their freaking heads. And, you know, he's going to like just scream at them until they like, you know, <laughs> go into the corner or right. something. Oh, I and, mean, you know, if he sent them off to like, a, I don't know, like to their death, it would have seemed believable in this movie. Right. <laughs> Almost. Yeah, I know. Seriously. And then the, the only one we didn't mention for best supporting actor this decade was Mahershala Ali for Moonlight. But so still J.K. Simmons. Yeah, definitely best per- supporting actor performance of uh, this decade for sure. Is that all? we had for twitter questions yeah we we had comments. we had actually quite a few more sorry to everyone we didn't get to but uh yeah we definitely have to wrap things well, thank up thank you for here. everybody that tweeted at yes us, absolutely so. definitely um uh so yeah you can follow us at blockbuster cast you can follow uh our you, you know be sure to subscribe to us on itunes and and all that jazz give us reviews um matt we really appreciate you coming on man this was a lot of fun we'll definitely have to do this again did you give out your twitter handle matt i'm not uh, you can find me at Next Best Picture okay. on pretty much all of the social media feeds, all the Twitters. I got all of them. He's got all the Twitters. <laughs> nice. It. It's like my favorite line. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. What, what was that movie called again? Uh, Jesus, it just came out last year. Uh, all the Twitters. Oh my god! Yeah, that's Steven Soderbergh. Uh, uh, what the hell is that movie called again? Um, Lucky? No. Logan, Logan Lucky. L- yeah, Logan Lucky, um, I Adam Driver. I know, all, I know all the Twitters. Uh, good stuff. Uh, no, when you guys do that Master episode, hit me up. That's my favorite right. film of the, that year. Well, yeah, I adore that movie. Yeah, we get whacking off into the ocean. You get angry hand jobs into the sink. It's great. <laughs> Drinking <laughs> gasoline. I, it's, not, it's not for those reasons. But <laughs> oh no. I, 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 <laughs> oh well, I think we're. I think we like it for. We have different tastes. <laughs> no yeah we'll definitely we'll definitely have to link up for for that one so all right so yeah that, there we go our next our next guest spot with uh mr matt here will be for the master there we settled it sounds good <laughs> but yeah. but really this was a lot of fun man we appreciate you coming on uh yeah and also if you want to add someone to the panel i'm happy to throw my name into the hat for a, a movie or whatever so oh yeah absolutely Shoot we'd love up. to have you on either definitely. one of us right yeah yeah definitely Good stuff. This was a lot. This was a lot of fun. So, uh, yeah, I'm all for it. Any final thoughts, Matt, that you would like to share with <laughs> our audience? <laughs> Sorry, I'm putting pressure on our guest here. Um, final thoughts I would like to share with our audience. Um, I would like to say, for the record, that I think Damien Chazelle could quite possibly become the next Steven Spielberg. 
I, I think mean, he's young enough, and him, we, and you know, we tend to forget how young Steven Spielberg was when he kind of came onto the yes, scene too. Very true. Very true. Speaking Giselle of, didn't uh, have to wait until he made a Schindler's List in his 40s to get an Oscar. He got an Oscar right in at the age of 31 years old on his. Oh my God! His third movie. Yeah, seriously. Know? So it's, it's like insane. Yeah, I mean, Damien also four for four apparently with First Man in yeah. terms of like just the it's just the quality of his films. Man, yeah. I, I I I actually am scared. I am very scared of the day that we get our first disappointing Damien Chazelle movie. I hope that day never comes. I mean, I I hope everyone will be expecting or accepting. I should say, you know that that you know, especially a First Man. We all love that, you know. And then his next one is just like eh, it's like all right. At least we had four. We know his potential. You, you know? know what though? He's the kind of director that someone like a Martin Scorsese. Even when Martin Scorsese doesn't totally hit the mark, the movie is still interesting because. He brings something to it that um, there there is stuff to dissect, even within the screenplay, um, the, his shots and how they visualize uh, the story, the characters, mindsets, whatever it might be. Uh, Damien Chazelle is a filmmaker, I feel, that also brings a cinematic quality to the stories that he tells that makes his movies worth watching, whether they fully work or not yeah yeah i t- totally agree yeah i look forward to every movie him i i I'd only put denny uh denny villeneuve uh up up in the directors i mean i know denny villeneuve's been around for a little while now but uh th- those two directors are ones i'm not saying denny villeneuve is the next spielberg but uh those are the two directors that i'm totally look forward to every new movie that comes out of there yeah so. exactly when there's an announcement like oh directed by them okay i'm seeing this yes yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> All right. All right, Matt. Well, thanks so much for coming on, man. You had awesome points for Whiplash, and it was so glad. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're doing this again, whether you like it or not. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Well, <laughs> fine. <laughs> but, uh, all right, Matt. All right. So that is it for us, folks. Matt, uh, can we end the show now? <laughs> all right. For Davo, I'm Ben Secord. And as always, grab some snacks, grab some popcorn. We'll catch you guys at the movies. <laughs> <laughs>